The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Bible's with me. Let's turn to Romans chapter 4, and uh, we'll start there this morning, Romans chapter 4. And we're talking about, last week, um, we, we began a, a little mini-series on the, on the marks of success. And last week, uh, I, as I stated, there were certain marks, Paul said, characteristics among the men that God provided as examples in the scriptures. And look at Mark, Romans chapter 4 with me. And uh, we'll begin at verse number 13, Romans chapter 4, if I can get to it here, there we go. And verse 13, we read here, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Now, of course, here it's talking about the promise made to Abraham and the faith that Abraham had. And, of course, he's stating that if, if, uh, if the, the inheritance of eternal life comes through the law, then faith is, is vain. Okay, verse 15, because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And we, we can read on here, but we'll, we won't take that time to do that right now. We're, we're talking about this week, we're going to talk about Abraham. A man of faith. Now, last week we discussed Noah and, and, the, and the example of Noah as being a man of... Anybody remember what we said? He was a man of obedience. That's right. And the Bible says that thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. And the scripture also says that because of this, it was accounted unto Noah to be righteous because of his obedience to God. And we talked about that last week. And we talked about the importance of obedience to God and to his word in our lives. And, and we talked about the fact that God's word is not, it's not for us to, to change the word of God to fit our lives. We change our lives to fit the word of God. And that's the, that's the, uh, the, the, the crux of the matter here is we live in a society today. We live in a, in a, in a religious society today that wants to rewrite the Bible. They want to change the translation of God's word. They want to make it sound like, or they want, they want to rethink it so that they can justify their own lusts and desires in their lives. And so we, we must not do this. If, if we are going to be the kind of people that God wants us to be, if we're going to be the children that God wants us to be as his elect children, then we are going to have to alter our lives, change our lives to fit the word of God. And, and this is a necessity. Now this week we're looking at Abraham, and Abraham is a man of faith. Uh, turn with me real quickly to the book of Hebrews, just a, a few books toward the back of the Bible, book, book of Hebrews. And we're going we're gonna to read from the book of Hebrews. We're going to go to chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to begin looking at verse number 8 here. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8. Here we read, By faith Abraham, 
when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So here in, in, in what's known as the, the, the hall of the faithful, Hebrews chapter 11, <laughs> we see that Noah, uh, or that Abraham was a man of faith and his faith was strong. Matter of fact, Abraham is called the father of the faithful. And, and, and so when we first encounter Abraham in the scriptures, we see that his name was Abram, uh, a Chaldean name, meaning the father is exalted. God later changed this name to the Hebrew name Abraham, meaning the father of multitudes. And, of course, we know that God promised uh, to, to give Abraham and Sarah uh, a child. Now, this is a little unusual because who can tell me how old Abraham was when his son was born? 800? He wasn't that old. He was, he was how old? 100 years old. How old was Sarah? 90. How many of you know 90-year-old women having babies? How many of you know 100-year-old men fathering babies? 100-year-old men cannot even get out of their, their, their chair, let alone father children. But here we see the miracle of God. Here we see the working of God. God promised Abraham that he would make him the father of a multitude, that he would give him so many children that they would not be able to number them. They would be as the sands on, 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 in, in the sea, unable to number the, the children that Abraham would, would have. And he believed this through faith. God told Abraham to go to a city where Abraham had never been, to leave his father and leave his country and go and, and, and trust in the Lord and sojourn in the place that he would show him. And Abraham did these things by faith. He's been called the father of the faithful because of the great faith in God he demonstrated throughout his life. Now, there are many passages of scripture that we could cite to teach about Abraham's faith. But none demonstrates his faith as clearly as the, the, the passage I've selected to focus on this morning. So let's turn once again, one more time, turn to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis, the easiest book in the Bible to find because it's the first one. Genesis chapter 22. Now, in Genesis chapter 22, I'm sure probably most of you uh, know this story, but we'll go ahead and read it. It's, it's uh, the first 14 verses. Let me read as you follow along. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt, and that word means test, not, not, not the tempt we would think, but did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place 
of which the Lord had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Uh, it's an interesting thing to take note there. He says, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. So it's important to note that Abraham knew by faith that even though he was commanded to go sacrifice Isaac, that somehow God would, would, would make his promise good and Abraham and Isaac would come back. Uh, verse number six. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, uh, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Uh, now, let me just interject here. Isaac had already put two and two together. He knew who the lamb was. Okay, and he's just kind of inquisitive to his father. Okay, verse number eight. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by its thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Now, there are so many lessons to be taught from this passage of scripture. We, we could spend years, I mean literally, we could spend years every Sunday morning teaching lessons from the 14 past verses I just read. Um, but today, I would like to examine this event and glean from it just, just a few lessons about faith. First thing I want to say this morning is this. Our faith will be tested. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, we read, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of, of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Again, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 7, we read, Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. <clears throat> I said your, your faith will be tested. And in Matthew chapter 5, which we just read, Jesus said, When men shall revive you, when men shall persecute you. You know, the scripture says all that will live godly in this present time shall suffer what? Persecution. And you are not going to, you are not going to live a life for Jesus in this world and not be persecuted. Not be, not be despised, not be rejected, not be reviled by the men around you. Uh, you are, you are going to be persecuted if you take a stand for Jesus 
in this life. And our faith will be tested. You can, you can mark that down. You can, you can be sure of that. That if you're not in, if you're not, if your faith isn't being tested right now, it will be tested sooner or later and you will have to stand that test. Just as Job did, just as Daniel did, just as the three Hebrew children stood that test of their faith, you will be, your faith will be tested. And if we begin to live in a dream world, if we begin to live in a la-la land where we fall, we fall victim to these, these prosperity preachers, who say, oh, God wants you to be rich and God wants you to have all these good things and God will provide all these things for you. Yes, he will if it's in his will, but you better be sure of this, that if it's in God's will for you to be tested, you will be tested. So be serious and and get serious about your Christian life and prepare yourself and be ready at every moment to face the persecution and the tests that will come. In verse 1 of Genesis chapter 22 We see that God came to Abraham. He came to him and tested him. He tempted him. Uh, We read it a moment ago. Look at it again. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abram, Abraham, and said unto him, uh, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. God God came to test Abraham. Now, God didn't test Abraham to, 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 to prove to himself, God, that Abraham was faithful. God already knew Abraham's heart. He knows your heart. And when God allows things into our lives, it's not so that he can see whether or not we're going to be faithful to him. It's to show you how strong your faith is. It's to show you your weaknesses. It's to show you your pitfalls. So that you yourself can examine yourself through these things. And you can say, well, I'm weak here. I have a weakness and I need to shore this up. I need to strengthen this part of my life. Maybe you need more prayer time. Maybe you need to be more, dig more into the scriptures. Maybe you need to be more faithful in your service to the Lord. Maybe you need to learn to love your brothers and sisters more. But whatever it may be, God will reveal this to us in these times of testings. Now, let me give you a few thoughts concerning testing. First of all, let me say this. A test usually precedes a blessing a test usually or or, or often you could say precedes a blessing i think about job in job chapter one and in verse eight we read and the lord said unto satan hast thou considered my servant job that there is none like him in the earth a perfect and an upright man one that feareth god and escheweth evil now you see Satan had accused Job before God. He said, sure, Job loves you. Sure, Job obeys you because you've provided him with everything. You put a hedge about him. And, and, and of, course he, of course he loves you. But he said, take away those things that Job has and he'll curse you to your face. Now, God already knew what would happen. He did. He's, he's omniscient. He knows all things. And, and he knew that Job would, would, would remain faithful. But let me say this. There was two things God wanted to do there. Number one, he wanted to shut the mouth of Satan. And he wanted to shut Satan up uh, concerning this matter and in, in so doing gain glory for himself. But number two, he also had, there were a few things in Job's life that Job needed to learn. There were a few weaknesses in Job's life that God was going to use this opportunity to teach him. And those are the things, those are the reasons that God uh, does test us. I right, listen. When it comes to weaknesses, I have plenty of them. And uh, if you want a complete list of my 
shortcomings and weaknesses, just go sit with my wife and she'll give you the complete list, uh, unabridged, and she'll be happy to do that for you. Uh, but I have plenty of weaknesses. And sometimes we don't see our own weaknesses. You realize that? You know the old saying, you can't see the forest for the trees? Sometimes we have faults in our life and we don't realize that we think we're pretty good, but we have weaknesses, sometimes glaring weaknesses. And, and, and God has to reveal those to us. Why does he do that, by the way? He's, what is he doing? He's trying to build us. He's trying to purify us. He's like, a, like a, a smelter sits there and purifies silver or gold. God is trying to refine us. And, and he's trying to, to teach us and grow us. So these troubles and trials in our life, uh, these tests that we face, uh, are designed to help us. And often, they precede a blessing. Uh, Job no, it was challenged. His faith was challenged. In Job 1.9, we read, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Now, it has been my experience that before God does anything in our lives, he will often test us. Before he, he, he takes us to that next step, before he gives us, for, for instance, more responsibility in our lives pertaining to spiritual things, he puts us through these tests. Now, why? Why does he do it? Is it so that he may learn of our abilities? We already, we already answered that. Romans chapter 2, verse 23. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the, the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. The answer is no. God doesn't do it so he can learn our abilities. He already, he's already fully aware of our hearts. The testing is so that we may learn to trust and depend upon him. So that he may again reveal to us those weaknesses that we need to strengthen so that we can take that next step in our Christian life. We can receive more responsibility uh, and we, we can do more things for God. Again, consider Job. In Job chapter 13 and verse 15, Job states, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job learned to, in his life, he learned to trust and he learned to depend upon God. And when this, when this, when this terrible test came into his life, when this, when this horrible test, I mean, listen, you know, sometimes we might, I've even done it myself. I'd say, I know how Job feels. I, I'm sure I have no idea how Job feels. I'm sure I have no idea how he felt. He, he lost all of his children. He lost all of his money. He lost all, all of his property. The only thing God left him with is his wife. And, uh, and I'm, not trying, I'm not beating on wives this morning, but she wasn't a very good one, was she? What did she do? She came up to Job and said, ah, curse God and die. So Job was, Job was afflicted on all sides. He was, he was full of sores. The Bible says he, he sat on the garbage heap and took broken pieces of pottery and scraped the sores to, to relieve the, the pain and the suffering he was under. Yet in all of that, Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job, Job was not going to open his mouth and question God. He was not going to curse God. He was going to trust God, even if he faced death. So, um, you know, number one here, as I said, uh, our faith will be tested. Now, number two this morning, I want to say this. Um, our response to this testing must be timely. Our response must be timely. And you should still be at Genesis chapter 22. Look at verse 3. What does it say? 
And Abraham took a week and a half to consider God's command. And, and, and is that what it says? In verse 3 of Genesis chapter 22? No. What does it say? And Abraham rose up early in the morning. Um, Abraham did not waste time. He did not overthink this calling from God. God called Abraham. He gave him a command. He told him what to do. Now, I'm not saying Abraham didn't have a a tumultuous night. I'm sure... I'm sure that evening Abraham probably prayed to the Lord and, and asked the Lord that he might, he might remove this, this test from him, that he might change that, that he, may not, that he might not have to take his son up to the mountain and sacrifice him there. But when it came down to it, Abraham trusted God and he got up early in the morning. He didn't sleep in until noon. He didn't, he didn't lounge around until the afternoon. He got up early in the morning and he saddled his donkey and he grabbed the wood and he grabbed some fire and he grabbed his servants to help him. And he said, let's go. We got something to get done. Now, first of all, let me say this. The next blank on your answer sheet is this. Do not waste time when doing the will of God. I can't tell you how many times over the last 33 years in the ministry, I've, I've had people come up to me and they say, I know what God wants me to do. But I just don't feel like I can do that right now. You know, let me let me just say this. If you know what God wants you to do, then get it done. Quit wasting time. Do it. Because it comes down to this. Do you trust God or not? Do you have faith or not? When God tells us to do something, when God makes it clear to us that he wants something done, don't waste time. Just get it done. In Psalm 63 and verse 1, we read, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. Early will I seek thee. I think children um, ought to be in church. Um, I mean, my daughter back there, Erica, she was, I think, eight days old on her first trip to church. She was born on a Wednesday, and my wife was in the hospital on that Sunday, but the next, the next Wednesday, or the next Sunday, she was in church. She was only, I think, 15 days old when she started riding the bus with us. I was a bus captain, and my wife would, would help me. And we, 15 days old, we had her on the bus. Now, my son back there, he was the lazy one. He didn't make it to church for, for the first four or five weeks. But to his credit, he was, in, he was in Oshner Clinic having heart surgery done. He was born with a bad heart and he couldn't go to church right but but as soon as he was able we put him in church my my daughter janet same thing we put him in church and and of course the first two or three years they didn't know anything they didn't understand what was going on they didn't but but you know what raise your children in church early will i seek thee <laughs> you raise them in church <clears throat> and by the time they're they're old enough to start understanding they will immediately seek the lord they'll do it early so don't waste time doing the will of God. Um, one of the devil's greatest wiles is this. Just wait a while. Just wait a while. Oh, well, you're only in your 20s. You're only, in your, you're only a teenager. You, you don't need to be worrying about that now. Wait till you're in your 30s. Wait till you're in your 40s. You know, I, I used to have a lot of high school students, for instance, would tell me, I think 
Mr. Abshaw, I think I'm going to take a year or two off before going to college. I used to say, no, 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 no. Get right in there. Do it right away. Because if you, if you put it off, you'll never do it. And the same thing is true in a Christian life. If we put things off, we just won't do it. Um, I can almost hear Satan working on Abraham right now, playing upon his fatherly instincts, reasoning with Abraham that this must not be the will of God, that you would kill your own son, that you would sacrifice your own son. Just the same as he does with us and our children. But God admonishes us from his word not to waste time in obeying the voice of the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 17, we read, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. We, we, we can't wait until, we can't waste time in our life and wait until we get all burdened down with all kinds of cares and all kinds of concerns and all kinds of, 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 of weights. You know, the Bible says to lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before you. And we can't, we can't waste time with foolish things. We need to focus our hearts and minds on the Lord and obey the voice of God. When he commands us to do something, do it. Don't waste time. So first, I said that, um, I said that our faith will be tested. Second, I said our response must be timely. But then thirdly this morning, I want to say this. Our actions must be tempered. Our actions, the way we, the way we react to these testings, must be tempered. Look again at Genesis chapter 22. And we read, let's read it beginning in verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. So he, he's walking along with Abraham, uh, with Isaac and his servants. And on the third day, he looks up and sees Mount Moriah. He sees the place where God told him to go. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the, with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now, there, you can speculate many reasons why he left the servants there. Probably the most likely was because he knew that they would try to stop him from doing what the Lord wanted him to do. And this is a picture of separation in our lives. Sometimes we have to separate ourselves from the world. We have to separate ourselves from those around us that, that would hinder us from obeying the will of God. Sometimes that may even be family. Uh, it may be a difficult thing to do, but, but we have to separate ourselves and sanctify ourselves unto the Lord and fulfill his will. Okay, verse 6. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they went both together. And Isaac, we read it already, Isaac spake to Abraham and said, Hey, Dad, I see the wood, I see the fire, but where's the, where's the lamb? And Abraham said, Don't worry, son. God will provide himself a lamb. Now, I want you to notice here, I want you to notice that Abraham behaved himself in a rational and reasonable manner. He didn't argue with God. Now, let me, let me just say, I'm sure, I have no doubt in my mind, Abraham didn't want to, didn't want to sacrifice Isaac. He didn't want to do that. But he didn't, he didn't argue with God. He didn't, he didn't debate with God. He, he, he didn't try to negotiate with God. He just accepted God's will and he went about to do it. He, he did not argue with the servants. He just told them, you know, I'm leaving. You stay here. Don't follow me. Don't come with me. Uh, he didn't, he didn't get into, 
He didn't get into arguments with his servants. He didn't even have to argue with Isaac. Abraham had raised his son to, to have faith in God. He, he, Isaac had seen his father's faith and he trusted his father and he trusted the will of the Lord because of his father. And Isaac just accepted this will, whatever it may be. Now this makes me believe that Abraham was respected as, as a father. He was respected as a leader. And, and, and so that, this is so important. What is, the, what is the biggest lack in our society today? Can anyone tell me? The biggest lack, especially among young people today, starts with an R and ends with a T. Respect. Respect. They don't respect life. They don't respect authority. They don't respect God. They don't respect, respect spiritual things. There's no respect. And, and, and this is so important. Isaac, I mean, can you reason it with me? Isaac had to respect his father. He had to. I mean, what, what kept him from... Now, Abraham, remember, Abraham, he's now over, probably over 100 years old. What, what kept Isaac from just throwing down the wood and bolting and taking off? His dad wouldn't have been able to run him down. But he didn't do that. He's, he reasoned, I'm sure he probably reasoned in his mind, well, if dad trusts the Lord, so will I. And that's so important. That's so important. You know, a, a large part of my life, I lived out of respect for my father. I still do. I, do thing, I don't do things today that I know my father would never approve of. A lot of things I don't do because I'm a Christian, but even before I was a Christian, I, I, there was a lot of things I just didn't do because my dad wouldn't have approved of it, and I respected my father. Do you see how important this is? So let me ask you, how much do you respect your heavenly father? When we do things we ought not do, when we do things that we know are not right to do, and we do them in the presence of God, how little respect are we showing to God? Do we as a body of believers today have that kind of testimony, the kind of testimony that Isaac had, the kind of testimony that uh, Abraham's servants had? Do we as individuals have that kind of influence? Let me share three, uh, a couple of thoughts with you real quick. Uh, first, we must be kind to others. We must be kind to others. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 we read, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. If you want to be respected, you need to respect others. You need to be kind to people. You need to treat them with, with, with kindness and respect and dignity. Secondly, we must walk circumspectly. That word circumspectly means cautiously. We must walk circumspectly before others. We need to remember as God's children that at every moment, eyes are upon us. Your children's eyes, your grandchildren's eyes, your neighbor's eyes, your, your fellow Christian's eyes. People are always watching us, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. Even when we're in total privacy, even when we're in darkness, the angels are beholding us. And our testimony depends upon us living uh, circumspect lives. Ephesians 5 says, See that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. And then our surrender must be total. Our surrender must be total. 
Look again at Genesis chapter 22 and look at verse 10. We read here, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. Our surrender must be total. Abraham built the altar, laid the wood upon it. He took Isaac and he bound his hands. He laid him on the altar. He took the knife and he stretched forth his hand to kill his son. And the angel of the Lord stopped him. His surrender was total. And, and you know what? God already knew this because he already had the ram prepared in the thicket. And he had the angel ready to stop Abraham. God knew Abraham was going to obey him. But the, the question was, did Abraham understand how deeply he needed to trust the Lord? Was Abraham prepared to surrender all? And that's what we need to know this morning. Our surrender must be total. You can withhold nothing from God. Everything upon his altar we shall lay. Now let me, let me make two statements. They're on your study sheet. First one is this. God will not share the throne of your heart with anyone, including you. He will not share the throne of your heart with anyone, including you. Either your life is given to God or it's withheld from God. He is not going to sit part-time on the throne of your heart and let you or anyone else have control of it at any other time. He's not going to share it. It's, it's, it's all or nothing. Total surrender or nothing at all. So often we go without the blessings of God because we're not happy with what God has given us. Paul said in First Timothy, But God in us with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Yet men in this world fight and kill to have more and more. James in James chapter 4 says, From whence come wars and fighting among you? Come they not hence even of your own lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and, have, and desire to have and cannot obtain. Uh, ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss to consume it upon your own lusts. Oh yes, our surrender must be complete. But then secondly this morning, or lastly on your study sheets, I want to say this. Don't be afraid to give all. Don't be, don't be afraid to give everything you have to God because of this. When you come to the place where God is all you have, you will find that he is all you need. Let me say this. Without the Lord controlling your life, without, without you obeying the will of God, you'll never be happy. You will never find happiness while in rebellion against God. Never. I don't care. And, I, and you can prove it very easy. Look at the richest people in the world. They have everything, yet they're miserable. They take their own lives. They, they're always looking for something more and better. They're never content. They're never happy. Why? Because they don't have the one thing they need, and what they need is the Lord. But when you come to the place where God is all you have, it's then that you understand he is all you need. Job and Job 23, and I'll close with this. We read, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Can you say that this morning? Can you, can you 
Is that your testimony, the same as Job's? Is God more important to you than anything else? Well, I wish that I could sit here and say that at all times that's true in my life, but I'd, I'd be lying if I did, just as all of us. But we need to have more faith in God. We need to have, have abiding faith. Well, folks, that's all the time I have this morning. And uh, next time we're going to look, I believe we're going to be looking at, uh, next time we're going to be looking at Daniel, I believe. I'm not sure in my, in my lesson notes where I'm going next. But uh, thank you for being here this morning and have a great day. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www dot bbaptist dot org